host of The Cell. I invite you to listen to our program every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. I would also like to thank you for listening to Community Radio on WGRN LP 94.1 FM, Columbus. I'd like to welcome our listeners back. If you tuned in last week, you heard Judge Stephanie Mingo, who is our environmental judge for the Franklin County Municipal Courts. So sit back and relax and get ready for part two of our interview with Judge Stephanie Mingo. Judge Mingo, illegal dumping. I've seen a couple of stories on local news about illegal dumping. So do those uh, charges end up in your court? Yeah. So also, another follow-up question, because I got to get my questions in now before. (laughs) Are most of of the cases, Columbus, uh, do the suburbs have a lot of the the, uh, environmental cases you see? Thank you. Thank you for asking two very good questions. So, yes, any uh, crime that would be considered an environmental crime, so we're talking about your illegal dumping, uh, littering, uh, a crime of improper disposal of hazardous waste, uh, any case involving um, a crime that would create a nuisance is heard in environmental court. So, yes, all of uh, Franklin County's uh, illegal dumping cases are heard in environmental um, most of those cases, um, as you could imagine, Ernie, come out of the west side uh, of Columbus. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, our hilltop uh, neighbors are plagued mm-hmm. with all of the issues um, surrounding illegal dumping, littering, uh, so many issues there. They're, unfortunately, their alleys are just um, riddled with illegal dumping. It's, it's so unfortunate that we have uh, Folks and companies from all over Franklin County drive to the hilltop and dump on our west side neighbors. It, it's just really? terrible. Yes, we do. We, uh, very often, it, it really is a misnomer that all of that trash and the dumping comes from west side residents. Very often, there are construction companies, there are folks moving companies that will, um, you know, say they're going to haul away trash from, say, a resident in Reynoldsburg and they go and dump it. Uh, in the alleys uh, on the west side of Columbus. Um, so, wow. yes, those cases are um, typically treated as uh, misdemeanor one cases. Sometimes they're uh, misdemeanor, uh, misdemeanor, I believe they're misdemeanor two cases, uh, but they are heard in environmental court. Um, the challenge with those cases is that you have to be able to catch the offender. Uh, I know that the city of Columbus has really tried to ramp up the number of cameras uh, that have been put in place uh, in the alleys uh, on the west side of Columbus and uh, various parts uh, of the city. Uh, but that's always a challenge, being able to catch the offender. Um, you know, a lot of times an alley will be clear in the morning, and then by mid-afternoon, it's completely dumped on. And so it, it's really a matter of the city being able to identify who that person is and then charge that person. Um, so I do hear those cases. Uh, they probably make up the, I would say, no, I would say they make up about 40% uh, of the criminal cases I hear. Uh, the other type of criminal cases I hear are cases involving uh, the abuse and neglect of animals. Um, so that's sort of one other special area for, yeah, the environmental judge hears all of Franklin County's cases involving abuse and neglect of animals or uh, pet owners who neglect to vaccinate and register uh, their dogs. 
So if it's a dog bite case or a dog that's perhaps running at large, or if it's a dog that's being abused and neglected, it comes into environmental. And those really make up the bulk of the criminal cases I hear. Uh, uh, to your question with, regarding, with regard to the suburbs, Ernie, I do hear cases uh, from the suburbs. I hear cases from all over uh, the city of Reynoldsburg, the city of Hilliard, uh, the city of New Albany. If there is a case involving an environmental matter, uh, those cases come into uh, my courtroom. I would say I, those suburban cases make up about, well, I would say 15 to 20% of uh, my court docket, but I would say about yeah, 80 uh, comes from the city of Columbus. I'm going to do a softball. How much of your, your childhood do you think prepared you um, coming from a relatively decent-sized family for your position? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I, I would definitely say, Tish, I think that's a great question. I think um, my childhood certainly did. I mean, we um, were by yeah. no means wealthy family. We struggled. Uh, I lived in public ho- housing. Uh, all of my life from zero to 18. And so I am not a stranger to struggle. And so I can empathize so very much with um, the defendants that I see coming into environmental court. I um, I identify very much with their struggle. And so I think that courtroom in particular, certainly compassion uh, is one of the attributes that you would want to find in any judge. But in that particular courtroom where there's so much struggle and so much human suffering, um, my childhood, I, I think, has really, um, really complemented my ability to uh, be compassionate and to have empathy um, from the bench. Um, I just, I, I just, um, I don't know how, how you can serve in that courtroom and really not have a heart for people. Um, it, municipal court is known as the people's court, but I think that courtroom, the environmental courtroom in particular, is so connected to the community. And um, really the hardships that you see um, in the lives of the defendants that come through environmental court, um, I counted a blessing that I had the background that I have um, before taking the bench uh, because, it, again, it really has enabled me to sort of have a different view from the bench and to really empathize with the defendants that we see and to really give 110% to doing all that I can um, to, to, to find resources and ways to support the folks who don't want to be there and are there by no fault of their own, but simply suffering from lack of resources. I would say my 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 background really, I believe it really uh, complements my service on that particular bench. I would agree. Ernest, Thank you have you. another question? No, just uh, that's all the questions I have. Because he answered a lot of my uh, questions Wonderful. <laughs> that I had. Yep. Wonderful. So you don't have any problem with me just busy talking, right? <laughs> <laughs> I just had to say that. <laughs> I do want to ask about the parking. Like, if you have the stop signs to say no parking on this side of the road, does that mean that they can park in front of the sign? You should really follow that arrow. Um, you know, it sort of says no parking, and then it kind of points in a particular direction. So anywhere in front of that sign, I'll, should be fine unless there's some other sign indicating that no you can't park there either but it's everything after that 
that arrow there that you cannot park. Yeah, that's probably why they're not, uh, what's it called, 311 when you want to call and make a complaint? That's right, 311, yeah. yeah. But I'm glad you did bring up 311 because, you know, I I always encourage folks to call 311. Obviously not in that circumstance because it sounds like they probably are properly and legally parked in front of the sign. But for the folks who, you know, let's say they have a neighbor and there's constantly cars parked on the grass and they're overparked, 311 is the only way that those cases make it into environmental court. I always say the squeaky wheel gets the oil. That really is the only way that these cases make it by residents, just like you and your husband reporting those cases to 311 and making that call. So I'm all about 311 because, again, that is really how the community gets relief from bad property owners by making those constant and consistent calls to 311. Okay. High grass. Yeah, we know that they got high grass in the front of the bill in front of their house. What about mm -hmm. high grass in the back of their house? If they're if they have high grass, regardless of whether it's in the front or the back, it is a violation of code, and it should be something that is reported to three one one. And again, sometimes it takes more than one call. Sometimes it takes more than five calls. But again, that's the really the only way that it makes it into environmental court, you know, unless for one reason or another, code enforcement happens to be going down that street and they note it themselves. Um, it really does take a resident or a neighbor reporting that property uh, to 311 uh, so that the city can then file a complaint in environmental court. Front or back, it doesn't matter. It needs to be cut. And I want to go back to something that Ernie asked in regards to uh, the trash, you know, uh, other organizations, companies, other people, you know, going and dumping trash. Will yes. the city of Columbus come and pick up all that trash or how does that go? How does the, how does the yeah. homeowners get rid of that trash? That, you know what, if that isn't the number one struggle of all of our Hilltop neighbors, um, the short answer is um, this, city typically does not come out and clean up that trash. It really is neighborhood residents sort of banding together to get it all cleaned up um, and left out for trash collection. Um, I wish I could tell you that, you know, the city will come out and clean it up, uh, but they do not. And it's, it's so unfortunate. And again, we see it so much on the west side of Columbus where they, the residents there are exasperated. They are so tired of people dumping on their alleys and then nothing happens. It just sort of stays there. Um, aside from, you know, sort of neighborhood and community activists that will get out there and clean up the trash, there really isn't an answer for that. Um, it really is up to the neighborhood to sort of get it cleaned up um, so that, you know, when the trash day comes around, it's properly put into a receptacle and it gets dumped. Um, so the short answer is no, there isn't a call, there isn't a um, a department within the city that you can call to come clean up, um, you know, trash that has been illegally dumped. Um, there are times where, and I think it's rare, but there are times where the city has an abatement team, what's called an abatement team, where if something is so bad, um, you know, perhaps it's someone has dumped, you know, refrigerators and furnitures 
um, and it's blocking an alley, there are times, I think, when the abatement team will come out and clean it up. But I think those are rare circumstances. It really is up to the folks living within that community to clean it up. It's an awful answer, but unfortunately, it's the truth of where we are with illegal dumping. Excuse me for a minute. We need to take an identification break. Hi, this is Ernest Kelly with the Faith Thomas Foundation. You're listening to The Cell on 94.1 FM, WGRN, and WGRN.org worldwide. Listen to us every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. I have a lot of people that come into Lowe's. And they ask me where the big bucks stuff is. And then I go like 10 feet away from them, backing up 10 feet away from them. Well, they're asking for big bucks stuff. I don't want yeah. them to jump off and get on me, you know, right, right over there. <laughs> While I'm backing up right over there. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So. I mean, do you deal with the bed bugs in the house, or do you deal with if somebody put their mattresses out, uh, they're not properly, I guess, um, prepared, covered plastic, up. and they get, yeah, covered. And So um, typically, if a case is involving bed bugs and it's an environmental court, it's typically a case involving a, an apartment complex, and there are a number of code violations and bed bugs a bed bug infestation happens to be one of the issues. Uh, typically, when that is the case, uh, it will become a part of my order that that apartment complex treat that bed bug infestation. Um, so th- typically, uh, if it's a homeowner and bed bugs are an issue, it's not typically, um, it's not something that becomes a part of the case. In other words, it's not a code violation to um, for a property owner to have bed bugs, but if it is a um, apartment complex, and again, there are numerous code violations going on, and bed bugs happen to be one of the issues that the tenants are suffering with, um, I can always order as the environmental judge that those bed bugs, um, that the apartment complex owner uh, treat those bed bug issues until um, it is no longer an issue for the tenant. Okay, and we yeah. just went past. Veterans Day. And yes. I see that you have a veterans program. Could you tell us about that? Yes. So um, this is a program within the general division uh, of the court. And uh, I, I, very little of what I do as in the environmental division overlaps with the general division. But um, just as sort of a, a broad overview, if um, there is a defendant uh, who is brought into municipal court because they have committed some sort of misdemeanor crime, whether it's theft, whether it's fraud, whatever the uh, misdemeanor crime is, if they are a veteran, um, it may be possible for them uh, to sort of be diverted uh, to the veterans court. So it's a special court um, there to assist veterans with any sort of issues that they might be having as a court that will help them access benefits uh, that they should be receiving as veterans. And then certainly, um, you know, if they meet the requirements of the uh, veteran court judge, uh, it it may be possible for them to um, have that particular crime, um, have the case dismissed or, you know, whatever the uh, veterans court judge um, believes would be appropriate. But it's just sort of a, um, a, um, sort of a diversion 
um, from um, the typical municipal court docket. And again, it's targeting veterans and making sure they're accessing the benefits that they need. And uh, if there's a way for that um, particular charge uh, to be dismissed once they've completed um, whatever the requirements the veteran court judge is um, requiring of them, um, it may be possible for that uh, charge to be dismissed. Uh, Tish, do you have a question from anything that she said? I don't want to be accused of hogging up all the questions. <laughs> uh, no questions. I do have a statement, though. Um, coming from Youngstown, I understand and I applaud you for being more engaged with the community. It always struck me as odd when I came here to Columbus how disconnected people were from their judges. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you for saying that. I, I appreciate the encouragement. I don't know how um, we can do our job as judges um, if we are not informed and not engaged and we don't understand the struggles of the people that we serve. So um, I do all that I can um, Tish, to uh, be an engaged and involved and accessible and visible judge. And um, so I appreciate that encouragement. I think it's so important. Mr. Ernest Kelly, do you have a question off of everything that was said so far? No, just like, like Tish said, just a statement. Just when I come down here to Columbus a long, long time ago, you know, before they had cars and stuff like that, uh, <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> I was, I'm just amazed at the number of alleys in Columbus because in Akron, it's just not alleys. You know, you just never had alleys that yeah. you could go down. And, it, and I'm, I'm not real sure, but I'm pretty sure Canton was the same way. We just really didn't have a lot of alleys up there. And, and when I come down here, to go to our state, I was just amazed at the number of alleys in the neighborhoods throughout the city. And when you go through them, and, and like Jasmine was saying, it's just a, it's just it just takes your breath away with just the amount of trash and the the different things people throw away in those alleys. I mean, stoves, refrigerators, you know, just tires and couches and stuff. It's just mind-boggling. And uh, to know um, and always wonder uh, uh, where illegal dumping, which court it went through. But, and and uh, you have done a good job as far as enlightening me on, a, on, on uh, environmental issues. So I really Thanks. appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And I, I think that's an accurate observation. There are so many communities here in Franklin County where it's just alley after alley after alley, and it is such a problem, um, the issue of illegal dumping. It really is, um, and I can't talk about it enough. Um, and unfortunately, it does fall on our neighbors to um, get a handle on it. Uh, I know that, again, the city of Columbus has really tried to ramp up the number of cameras in the alleys, but it's sort of an issue of resources. Again, you really can't have enough cameras, <laughs> you know, in, in so many places. I think they try to um, move the cameras to different locations um, periodically, but um, it really is a matter of resources. And un unfortunately, there's there's just never enough. I think that's a, one of the problems with Ohio State is 
those kids, and they've been doing it, you know, ever since I come down here. They use those alleys as shortcuts to get to the dorms and that kind of stuff. And yeah. I just, it's just amazing that people are walking through those alleys at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning. I don't even like driving through I will, oh, right. I will go around the block. I will. I don't even like driving through. My brother-in-law used to live in one off of Pembroke. Uh, he used to have a, a house over there, and they had one of those alleys. And yeah. I just, there was no way I was parking in his garage. <laughs> I park on the street. Yeah, right. They, I mean, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of danger in those alleys besides uh, environmental. Uh, I mean, oh, people I- are getting killed and robbed in them. Right, absolutely. But we know that there is a correlation between, um, you know, trash and dumping and the increase of cr- in crime. So the more yeah. we do to keep those alleys clean and orderly, um, the more we can reduce the violence and crime that is happening in them. So that that really is a challenge. That there's the, that direct correlation between, you know, sort of the trash and the uncleanliness, and then the increase in violence. So. Um, that needs yeah. to be uh, that we can't acknowledge that enough, and you know, you would hope that given that fact, that there would be more resources that would go toward um, keeping those alleys clean um, and 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 inevitably uh, safer. Stephanie, you said something about um, cameras. So, does yes. the city provide those cameras in the alley, or is that something that the consumer needs to provide? Um, it is the city's refuse department that puts up those cameras. They are, it sort of comes out of their budget um, and um, it uh, really has, doesn't really have anything to do with the court, only that the city puts them up and that is sort of part of the evidence they use when they are able to bring a case in environmental court. Um, it's usually those cameras that have captured the offender, they're able to capture the license plate able to get a good um, identification from um, seeing the indiv- individual on camera. Um, but that, that again, is um, done by the city's refuse department. What is the most that you have, that your court has fined somebody for um, not being in compliance? That's a, that's a really good question. I don't, I, I really don't know. I'm, geez, that's a good question. You know, we've, I know that we've had cases in the past where we've, um, where I have fined upwards of uh, 2500 a day uh, for each day that the property is out of compliance. So it really depends on the case. If it's a large apartment complex, you know, I'm more likely to um, levy a higher fine. If it is, um, you know, usually a property owner, um, the fine is anywhere between 50 to $250 a day. If it's, you know, a single family property owner, um, that would be the range. But if it's a large apartment complex and it's, a, you know, an LLC that uh, knows very well that they, they are allowing their tenants to live in squalor, uh, then I may consider a higher fine. And again, it's um, sometimes it could be, um, you know, above 2500 It really just depends. I, I feel like um, 2500 is probably the highest daily fine. Have you thrown anybody in jail? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes. <laughs> I do have Only money. you would want to know oh. that. I sure do. I want to know who you said in jail, Stephanie, for not oh, being in compliance. <laughs> um, so I want know. them to be scared. They need to know that when they come to Judge Stephanie Court, they better be prepared because otherwise 
this is what might happen. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Felice, most of the cases involving the, the properties, these are civil cases, meaning the city has brought the case to environmental court, and they're looking for um, the court to give some sort of order um, barring that individual or that company from maintaining a public nuisance. So they're looking for what we call an injunction, meaning it's an order from the court saying you are now prohibited from maintaining this property in this terrible condition and you must get the property in compliance. That's the first thing they're looking for. The second thing they're looking for is if the property is not brought into compliance, they're looking for the court to order fines. So in civil cases, typically the remedy is money. It's monetary in nature. They're looking for a fine. Most of the property cases, again, the city is not bringing those on a criminal basis. Most of the criminal cases I hear involve um, crimes like illegal dumping. And in those cases, those are punishable by jail time. Uh, the animal cases, the animal abuse and neglect cases, all of those are criminal cases. And therefore, those are also punishable uh, by the possibility of jail time. So yes, I do have defendants that go to jail, but most of the time those are not the property cases. And that is because the city bring, brings those cases as civil cases, not as criminal cases. And there's one more question I wanna ask you uh, is beyond the bench, the organization yeah. that you started, could you tell us about that again? Yeah, so um, I started that initiative with uh, my colleague, Judge Gina Russo and um, the purpose of Beyond the Bench is really uh, judges actively listening and engaged with Franklin County. Uh, we always find that as judges, there are so many things that we cannot talk about, we cannot discuss, we cannot give our opinion on, uh, but there's really no limit on what we can do as far as uh, listening and as far as engaging and being a part of the community. And what we have found is that um, in order to be our best as public servants, we have to be our most informed. And the only way we know to do that is to really be a part of the fabric of the community, to really be out um, and again, accessible, visible and engaged in order to be the best informed public servants that we can be. So we have, um, Felice, really gone throughout all of Franklin County engaging with um, various segments of our population. You know, we've um, engaged with youth. We've engaged with uh, mothers of murdered children. We've engaged with folks who are um, engaged in the business of preventing um, fetal and maternal uh, death rates within the African-American community. We've engaged with health fairs. We've engaged with civic associations. We've engaged with all sorts of uh, segments of our population, really, um, so that we are our best informed, so that we understand the issues impacting those that we serve. It's so vitally important that as judges, we have a good understanding of the issues impacting uh, the individuals uh, that we serve uh, so that we can be uh, the best that we can be from the bench. Yeah, what day is the potluck in in your in your section? The potluck. <laughs> yeah, Ernie, what's that? The food. The potluck food. We are, I know they have them down there. No, sir. We are a very busy courtroom. There's no time for that. <laughs> Yeah, no time for that. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Definitely, my 
my crew was a mess, Stephanie. They are, but, but it has been a pleasure, yes. To our listeners, if they have any of these type of issues or concerns, that they can go on to the Franklin County uh, Municipal Court's website to get yes. your information. And then, like you said, up under the environmental page, you have a guide there that lists each topic of things that your court covers. So then yes. that way they're able to uh, get as much information as they possibly can, know what their rights are in certain right. situations, and know what it is that they might be facing. So yes. I do appreciate you coming on today. Is there anything that you like to say to our listeners before you go, Stephanie? Yeah, so I would say this. Um, I am, uh, the Environmental Division is located on the 15th floor of 375 South High Street. Uh, I am in courtrooms A and B, and I would certainly have invite any of your listeners who uh, may be interested in what we do in environmental court to come down to the courthouse and maybe sit in on a couple of cases and listen. I'd be more than happy to answer any questions that they might have. Once again, thank you, Judge Stephanie Mingo. This is Felice, your host. Peace out. The Faith Thomas Foundation would like to thank you for listening to The Cell. We broadcast on WGRN 94.1 FM every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. You can also stream us live on Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. on WGRN 94.1. For more information on the Faith Thomas Foundation, please visit our website, Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is FaithThomasFDN.